Okay, it's 10 o'clock. We're going to go ahead and start. So thank you everyone for joining us today. My name is Dr. Yasmin Farshad. I'm your Practitioner Education Manager for Wise Woman Herbals. And I want to welcome you to the February Practitioner Call through the Wise Woman Herbals Learning Community. If you attended last month's call, we're so happy to have you back. And if this is your first time with us, we extend an extra warm welcome to you today. Today's presentation is entitled Botanical Support for Energy and Adrenal Health by Dr. Glenn Nagel. So how many of your patients have reported to you that they need coffee in the morning in order to get them going? More than likely a large percentage, right? Adrenal health and, and energy just in general are such hot topics mainly because it affects so many people. The busier our lives get, the more energy demand we put on our bodies. And then over time, chronic stress can result into our body not being able to naturally meet our energetic demands without some type of assistance such as caffeine. So today we're gonna to go over some um, great information on how botanicals can actually help with this. In the next 60 minutes, Dr. Nagel will share some detailed information with you about stress, how it impacts your energy and adrenal health. He's going to talk about adaptogens, what they are exactly, and why they're so helpful, especially for uh, a healthy stress response and overall adrenal gland support. Uh, he will be talking about current research on various botanicals and their role in stress management, as well as clinical indications and contraindications for these herbs. Dr. Nagel has been a practicing herbalist and registered through the American Herbalist Guild since 1984. He's also a naturopathic physician. He's deeply passionate about botanical education and believes in teaching with humor while allowing students to learn directly from the plants. He's a former associate professor of botanical medicine at National College of Natural Medicine in Portland, Oregon, and a former assistant professor at Bastyr University in Kenmore, Washington. He's currently an adjunct professor at National University of Natural Medicine in Portland and a consultant to the herbalist industry. So during this call, all participants will have the ability to ask questions at any time. So feel free to type in your questions in the chat box and I will ask Dr. Nagel um, as we go and then we'll have time for um, question and answers at the very end. But again, if, if there's a question, I highly recommend you take advantage of this time and ask Dr. Nagel because he's extremely knowledgeable in, in this information. Um, and then there is a promotion at the very end, so um, I'll give you some more information on that, but there's a special discount, and then there's also a uh, free item with purchase. And so, again, we'll give you more information at the end. Now I'd like to present today Dr. Den uh, Glenn Nagel. Thank All you. right. Thank you, Dr. Farshad. Uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, early morning. I have a lot of information on this topic, and you know, I, I'm going to cruise through these 60-some slides, but you are going to have them. You're going to get access to them. And so I break the PowerPoint rules by putting way too much information on them, but they're notes. And so you can take it because I think the thing that's really exciting about this topic, and, you know, I spent years um, teaching at the Naturopathic Colleges and working with students in the clinic, and any patient is dealing with stress. Every patient is dealing with stress. And so I think the exciting thing about botanical adaptogens, and we're going to go over that concept and what it is, but um, there's very few things, drugs, you know, supplements, but botanicals have this amazing ability to balance the endocrine system, bring it down, raise it up, and we're going to talk about some of the really key herbs in this adaptogenic model. And so I would always tell students, you know, maybe you don't know 
uh, what the problem is. We're understanding it. We're waiting on labs, things like that. But we can always give adaptogens to help deal with the stress of being ill. And the society, you know, we're just moving in the wrong direction. So let's get started. Talk about. All right. Let me just get this to work here. Uh, that's my bio. That's a disclaimer. We're going to start with, you know, <clears throat> patients would always say, well, does stress cause this migraines? Does stress cause my irritable bowel? And I like to think of stress as the great magnifying magnifier. And so stress, um, you know, without some stress, you know, we, we can't really live, but too much stress or I would like to think of not the ability to manage the stress. And that's the really key thing. And so botanicals are one key, but the, all the other naturopathic lifestyle and uh, diet and stress reduction, exercise, good sleep hygiene, all that's really important. We're going to focus on botanicals because the stress just keeps getting greater and greater. And, you know, we don't have to dwell on kinds of um, stresses, but a study done in 2015 showed, you know, the biggest stressors in people's lives was money, work, economy, family, and personal concerns. Kind of everybody has, uh, you know, some of those are higher than the others. So, yeah, those are, and of course, job stress. You know, corporations are doing more and more with less and less, and people are stressed out. And so when they come to your office, um, you're really looking for how to balance their health and we're going to talk about all the ways stress manifests. So all of you have your own experience about it, but we know that, that it can affect the cognitive function. This is the area that I see really commonly, you know, besides being tired, we see just like a brain fog, can't focus, sleeping, eating disorders, muscle aches and pains, high blood pressure, a lot of digestive problems, you know, how, how those manifest can't digest the food. And so as stress starts working on the system, it starts dysregulating function. And as function dysregulates, pathology starts developing. And this is how like the therapeutic order, as stress gets more ingrained, you get dysfunction, then you get dysregulation, and then you get toxicity, and then you can eventually get uh, you know, non-functioning. So let's talk about adaptogens. <clears throat> Adaptogens is a, a term coi coined by Breckman, who's a, a Russian researcher in 1969. And it's really three key pieces. And botanicals are really the only thing that really works well to cover these. So adaptogens are botanical plants that have nonspecific response. So they produce a nonspecific response to stress, i.e. they increase the power of resistance against multiple stressors physical agents, chemical agents, and biological agents. So the nonspecific is, there, there's actions and specifics of how they work, but as a whole, they, they can't be generalized, meaning there can't be a unique chemical way they all work. It's not like this one alkaloid that all the plants have. They're very, very diverse. Um, they also have a normalizing effect. So that's what I was saying before. They can raise lower adrenal stress hormones. They can lower. And so that amphipheteric, that balancing effect, really is helpful for a clinician because you don't often have to know the severity 
or the um, nature of the problem, you know that um, they're under stress and these are going to help them. And then the final th key thing is they're non-toxic. You know, so taking at reasonable doses for a reasonable length of time. We'll talk about a few of the contraindications here, but, and so that term is great. You know, how does that differ than a tonic? Well, tonic is more like to make tone. So bring back to tone. I think um, tonic is kind of in the Chinese medicine model, uh, an energy promoter. Um, and it's similar to alternatives, uh, tonics, are similar alternatives, but uh, all adaptogens are tonics, but not all tonics are adaptogens. So you can tone the stomach with, you know, uh, um, chamomile. It doesn't mean it's an adaptogen. So tonifying can be very specific to organs. Adaptogens typically have more of a neuroendocrine effect. They seem to affect hormonal balance. That affects the whole body. Another term that some people like more, I just don't think it's in popular culture now, is resistogen. And that um, is a better term, really, for adaptogens. And uh, people have suggested that because, you know, that tells you that it helps promote resistance and strengthens the system against these things. So what are the major actions for adaptogens? Well, we talked about the three basic rules of what will make them work. Um, increasing resistance. And so strengthening the VEAS is how I like to think of it. So as naturopaths and alternative practitioners, we support the body's inherent healing. They can work with improving fatigue. They definitely have an endocrine hormonal effect. It's not like they're phytohormonal. They're not saponin. Well, sometimes they're saponins, but um, they're not specifically, when we say phytohormone, we're saying plant hormones, not plant estrogens. Plants don't really make estrogens. They make precursors. Um, they can be calming. So we'll talk about rhodiola. You know, uh, some people stimulate by it. Some people are calmed. Uh, it can protect against uh, excess of glucose, uh, excess of radiation, improve wound healing. It can have an effect on sexuality, although this is not considered its main effect. But if you're tired and you're fatigued, and you don't feel well, sexuality goes out the window. So once you start feeling better, then you get uh, a little more energy in that area. Um, sleep issues, um, they can definitely help recharge the battery. That's how I like to think of the resistogens and adaptogens is that they really build your reserves. So they enhance longevity, and a lot of them have effects on the immune system in a positive way. What are the cautions about using adaptogens? Well, how long can you use them in high dosing without reevaluating them? And so I think uh, four to eight weeks is a reasonable period of time for somebody to be on them before you say, hey, it's not working, it is working. Um, you know, some people are sensitive and notice things very quickly, other people don't. Um, the other issue is sometimes you say, well, it's not helping, I'll give them a higher dose. Well, there is a reasonable period of time, and I'd put it in that four to eight weeks, that you can try to treat somebody and they may not be getting as much help as you think because they may have underlying medical deficiencies or issues. And so that's the clinical thing should go off in your brain is saying, you know, this is reasonable, should be helping people, you know, maybe three months at the upper end. If it's not, 
go back and do your diagnosis, go back and say, you know, if they're B12 deficient, then adaptogens may not help that because there's no B12 in it. So, you know, when they're not working as you expect, that's a really good clue to go back and look at the patient's case and say, hey, there's stuff going on that maybe is bigger. That could be a referral for herbalists, for uh, could be more lab for physicians. You know, what are the other pieces? Again, you can't just medicate with an herb and leave everything else the same. So if they have a stressful life, they're not balancing it, they're not doing any uh, calming activities, they're not eating a diet, they're not resting. A lot of these patients need adaptogens are resistant to resting. I remember a patient that was like, are you sleeping? And they're like, yes. But when you find out they're sleeping four or five hours a night, it's like, that's not going to cut it for long-term health. So the caution there, really make sure that you don't uh, just keeping, keep giving larger and larger doses. Almost everybody should get 10 benefits in the first three months. What are the common adaptogens? Well, I break them down into these subcategories. So like there's nutritional adaptogens, like nettles, um, oats, uh, holy basil, you know, like nettles is a great example. Um, it wouldn't be classically an adaptogen, but you give people it and they get energy because you're giving a lot of minerals, you're giving a lot of potassium, um, has iron, it has antioxidants. And then there's liver supporting adaptogens, which really focus on helping the liver, the milk thistle being the, the, the key one there, glyceriza we're gonna talk about today, cisandra. And then the classic ones tend to be plants that grow in really harsh environments. And here's you know, kind of the quick take home message. Uh, Eleutherococcus, Siberian ginseng, rhodiola, they grow in the far north, wintry climates. The plants developed compounds that help the plant deal with the stress of an extreme environment. And when we take those compounds, they have the same effect for us. That's the, the crazy thing about them. So uh, Oplopanix is um, Devil's Club, uh, Ginseng, Panix, Ashwagandha, Ganoderma is the Rishi Mushroom. And then all of them can be energizing, but in general, you don't want to see, the energizing comes from recharging the battery. And so most adaptogens work long-term, meaning in, you know, four to eight weeks, they say, yeah, my energy feels better. What's really key clinically is to not have your patients get a little more energy and then go back and destroy their health through doing activities that drain the battery. So think of it like charging a battery. Now you've got half charged battery. You still need to keep building to get it fully charged. And so uh, the specific energizing, we'll talk a lot about rhodiola today because that is a key one for Western lifestyles and has a dual effect we're gonna talk about. Uh, you know, green tea, could you call it adaptogen? I, I do because, you know, all the phytonutrients in it, but cordyceps, the mushrooms haven't. And so some of these we think more for people that need energy. I put this chart in here that I made, it kind of looks at, I'm not gonna go over it now, but you can look at it. You know, the idea of clinically, which adaptogens for what conditions? And so, um, some of these have uh, 1x, 2x, and 3x's. Uh, the more x's, the more they would be indicated. Like if you see, I got green oats on the far end. Not much in relation to immune stimulation, but it's definitely a nerve tonic. And so if you need a nerve tonic, the 3x 
you know, licorice or green oats might be your best combination. So, you know, try to learn. I would say if you could get four to five adaptogens under your belt, because some taste better than others, some uh, work in different conditions, and you can kind of differentiate how to use it, that's a really good way. And, you know, we have dozens, if you think about uh, adaptogens, maybe even more than that. And so the key thing is that you can always um, find something to give somebody, you know, and oftentimes in the clinical practice, it's like, oh, I ran out of licorice, but I got oats. And so you can easily substitute things. And I would also say from dosing is that you will, you likely want to change things up every three months. I don't think it's a good idea to keep people on the same adaptogen for a year or longer. I think our bodies uh, like a little diversity. And so I would say that's true for almost every herbal medicine is change it up. They get improved, move to milder things because the goal with adaptogens is not to be on them forever. The goal is to get them to the place where they can build their health through the pillars of health, not just through stimulating with botanicals. So we're going to talk about rhodiola because rhodiola came on the scene about 20 years ago. I mean, when I was a young practitioner, we started learning about it and it was like, wow, it's from Russia. It grows in China, Russia, Northern Europe. It's a sedum, Crassulaceae family. And so it's like a, a rock plant, you know, it's like a Northern Europe growing on rocky and the root is really uh, intense as far as the taste. It's called uh, Rhodiola rosea, although there's other species. Um, the root has a rose-like smell and I wouldn't necessarily a rose-like taste, but <clears throat> it's one of the key practitioner models. If you know you have a good product, it will have a very significant rose type smell. And the rhizome of the root is used. So this is kind of the environment you can see it growing, rocky, mountains and the thing, snow. There are um, species in the west here, but they're sedums, they're not rhodiola. And I know people have been trying to grow it in the, in the farm community. It's a slow growing plant. <clears throat> um, but according to the, um, the industry, um, fairly abundant. The chemistry is interesting, I won't dwell on it, but what we typically see is we see uh, phenylpropanols, the rosavins, they're different kinds. This is found only in rhodiola. And the salidricides, the phenylethanols. The salidricides and the rosavins typically will be in a product, oftentimes uh, 3%, 1%. So 3% rosavins, 1% salidricides. Um, Although standardization isn't always necessary, those are the two components. And we have some research studies that I've included in your notes on review about rhodiola because there are the last two years, some really good is that the um, salidricides being more water soluble have an anti-cancer effect and they're studying the individual molecules. So what we're seeing with the adaptogens is the um, information is getting bigger and broader like from just your general endocrine balancing to actually being um, cancer preventative. The other thing that's key about uh, rhodiola here is that they have a lot of tannins. And so a rhodiola tincture should taste pretty bad. <laughs> um, 
Typically, glycerin is added to help the flavor, but it's very astringent. It's very drying in the mouth. And so the tinctures can be very uh, effective, but you have to formulate well to get it to somebody to take it. Or you could go to capsulated formulas. Phytochemistry, we're going to skip over that. You can look at that. So the three to one ratio is kind of what's out there in the industry. So here's the amazing thing about rhodiola. It has, um, you know, it's kind of the anti-everything, anti-stress, anti-fatigue, anti-cancer, anti-hypoxic, antioxidant, fat burning, immune enhancing, sexual stomach, proves mental and physical performance. And we're going to talk about the specifics because the dual action of this so dual action is kind of the dosing curve, the idea that you can give a small amount and it stimulates and, and it, like the activity of the brain, larger dose, doses can sedate. And so there's, there's very few botanicals that have this quality of the duality, meaning um, it's cognitive stimulating to the brain, <clears throat> but it's emotionally calming and downregulating for excess of adrenal hormones. And so if we think about stress as one-two punch in society and in our patients, the key thing you're going to find out is they're tired and they can't focus their brain. And that's what makes rhodiola. So if you have those two key things with your patient, low energy and low cognitive, rhodiola jumps right to the top because it has this effect on memory and cognition as well as a calming effect on adrenal and a building effect. And so typically, a lot of adaptogens can have um, a building calming effect, but the cognitive can piece. So it's almost like we took a great um, adaptogen and added like a, something like green tea that's more stimulating. And the Russians were really cool. Um, affects the central nervous system, affects norepinephrine and serotonin, and it calms the limbic system, downregulating um, cortisol through the hypothalamus and the pituitary and thence adrenal glands. So this is a study that I'm not gonna go into a lot, but it's a review study in the Journal of Psychiatric and Clinical Practice, 2018. And there's their quotes. And what's great about this is it just basically looks at the review. And so when I'm looking at clinical research online, you know, PubMed and stuff, I always look for review articles um, especially newer ones that can say, all right, what do we know? This one's out of Germany and Switzerland. So those are countries that are very focused on botanical medicine. I give them a high credo for understanding what the nature is. And so what they did here, and I'm not going to go in here, but this is really worth for you to do, is they look at all the clinical studies with rhodiola root extract, RRE, and they looked at it in relation to stress symptoms. And then they have the study, the design, the population, so 50 healthy males and females, the treatment, 200 milligrams twice a day, duration, 12 weeks, outcomes, effects, attention, performance, and results. Treatment led to increased attention resources under strong attention. Treatment also led to increase in both working speed and working quality. So that was one that looked at mental focus. And so what's great here is it kind of gives you a dose that people are using in the study. 
mean, if you read the individual, you can look up the individual studies eventually and get um, the specifics on what products they use. This is out of that same journal where you get to see effects of rhodiola uh, affecting stress. And this is over time. And so you can see uh, on the up axis is uh, symptoms from stress. And so over time, you can see the rhodiola, the somatic and exhaustions dropped. This is over four weeks. Again, that's a good period of time to see results. And uh, psychological symptoms were improved markedly, concentration, irritability, anxiety, loss of zest for life. So this is interesting because it's out of the psychiatry journal and it's talking about you know, the psychological stress burden and here's rhodiola really helping the mental and emotional component. So this is a really uh, very, very detailed review study. And so these come out of those, um, that article. What it says, in this chart, if you look at RRE, rhodiola rosea extract, you know, they're saying as the patient goes from left to right, their coping goes down, their symptoms go up. So here's the symptoms, go, coping goes down, symptoms go up. They go from mild stress to persistent stress <clears throat> to secondary diseases such as depression, anxiety, hypertension. And so what they're saying here, Rhodiola really fits well into the first two categories as a preventative and for mild stress exhaustion symptoms. Here they talk about, you know, maybe pharmaceuticals. This is a psychiatry journal. So, you know, when they prescribe prescription antidepressants. And so that's a lot of the patients we see in our naturopathic and herbal offices. Um, here's another recent study from 2017, current pharmacological uh, research. Rhodiola, an herb with anti-stress, anti-aging, immune-stimulating properties for cancer chemoprevention. And so uh, this is where they talk about solidricide uh, affects cellular and sy systemic benefits in metabolism, similar to the effects of a positive lifestyle invention. So what they're saying is the solidricides from rhodiola have a wellness effect, anti-aging effect, affect inflammation, <clears throat> and have an anti-cancer effect similar to living a healthy lifestyle. Now, you can't get yoga in a bottle, but they're kind of saying that rhodiola has that effect, that it actually balances people's um, inflammation, hormones, immune system, because chronic stress will suppress the immune system. So you, we've included these two studies for you to review because I think uh, cancer prevention is you know, huge in our practices to help support our patients. So take a look at those two recent studies um, on rhodiola. This is a chart out of an herbalgram article in the uh, mid-90s that when rhodiola really came out of the scene. What I like about this chart, this is from, talks about this is a, i think an article by don brown it talks about how it stimulates over here cognitive attention memory and learn, learning why it deregulates stress hormones emotional calming cognitive stimulation again that's the key thing you want to think about rhodiola so i won't go in this but mental performance that's something you know this is how it became popular you know uh 
really Rodiola's discovery was um, something when um, you know Russia opened up to the West. All of a sudden, we started learning about the research they did and some of the uh, plants. And so Russian studies giving Rodiola to students, to uh, the military, you know, to the general population. Also, uh, Eleutherococcus we'll talk about in a little bit. So physical capacity to work, resistance, endocrine reproductive, stimulates thymus and adrenal function, hormone balancing. Again, it's not giving somebody estrogen, it's not giving testosterone. So if you have a, a patient with really low testosterone, these can help, but they're not like giving the pure pharmaceutical natural hormones. And so uh, these are great why they're under stress, because stress may be downregulating the, the adrenals and then hence the sex hormones. There's a cardioprotective, antioxidant, and the anti-cancer, as we talked about. What about the dosing? Typically, in a capsulated model, it was 200 to 1,000 milligrams a day. Uh, a lot of people like to start out with about 500 milligrams of dosing. I think a general rule for all adaptogens is dose in the morning, dose at noon, don't do dose later in the day. And what you want to try to do is follow the cortisol um, circadian rhythm. And so cortisol goes up in the morning, comes down low at night. And so I like this model of adaptogens, morning and noon, um, relaxing herbs at night. And that's a one-two punch that works really well. You give, you know, sedating, calming herbs, like the valerian, we're going to talk a little bit. You give valerian at night, you give rhodiola in the morning. Some people are sensitive, don't give it past two o'clock. It's a kind of a, a soft rule, but it seems like some people could get wired in the beginning. And some people with rodeal get a lot of energy. And then you got to caution them to just use that energy internally. Other people feel sleepy. I had a patient say, you know, I'm taking rhodiola and I'm falling asleep all the time. And I said, that's because you're so sleep deprived. The body's telling you, you need to rest. And so you encourage those patients to rest. And if they need to sleep and nap, do that. Usually it takes only about a week before they start having more energy. So that's the two things that happen with rhodiola. You can get energy or you can actually get people to really be sleepy. Uh, tinctures, um, five to 40 drops. I would generally give a dropper full two to three times a day. That's about 30 to 40 drops. We've got to put it in some water because it is pretty astringent or um, another way to mix it in is um, I like putting it in things like elderberry syrup because the elderberry is so good for the immune system and it's an antioxidant. And so you put the elderberry on the spoon, you drop your tincture in there, stir it up. That's a really easy way to hide the, the bad tasting things. Contraindications, very few. Um, there was this original, when it first came out 20 years ago, there was a caution with bipolar disorder and manic depression. I haven't really find, I, I look for research on that. I haven't seen anything really following up on that. So low level toxicity, because it, it isn't adaptogen. So who, who should take it? Students, worked out, stressed out, low energy, lost libido, moody, type A, overworked, overstressed, 
you know, the mental stress, loss of co um, concentration, and then the physical weakness. It's also a great remedy for jet lag. And that's the idea is, you know, start taking it before the trip, during the trip, and as you get home. Because if you just take it when you're getting home, it can be helpful, but again, these things need time to really do their best. Here's some of the resources, and here's a little summary of all the duality, the effects. Siberian ginseng, kind of a hand in hand, another Russian wonder plant. You know, <clears throat> this was often called uh, Siberian ginseng, which the industry moved away from that because ginseng is a different plant. This is a Leuthorococcus, and this plant, uh, Leuthorococcus senecosis, I, I always say that this is the most likely misspelled botanical you could ever write. You know, that's why they just call it a Luthro now because, and it's in the ginseng family. It grows in uh, high north, similar environments. Uh, it has thorns on it. It's a kind of a shrub, it has a big knotty roots and the roots are the part that's used. It has its own saponins called eleutherosides. And you know when a plant has components named after the genus that those are unique to the plant. So I don't believe there's eleutherosides in any other plant. Could be wrong on that, but eleutherosides A through G. And so the mixture of eleutherosides B and D <clears throat> have seemed to be the important one. But a good quality extract will have the synergistic and entourage effect of all the leuthrocytes. You gotta remember, uh, sap, the leuthrocytes are uh, saponins, and saponins have um, a soapy action. And one good way, and this is true for licorice too, one good way to determine if you have a good product is if you put some of the tincture or if you're making tea in <clears throat> water and you shake it in a, like a canning jar, you want to look, you want to see like a little foam, you know, like a head on the top, and it tends to linger a little bit. The more foam, the more saponins, the higher the potency, the better the remedy. And saponins on taste will be fairly unpleasant because they're soap-like, and so they tend to irritate your uh, mucous membranes. Um, we know that the uh, eleutherocytes work on the HPA axis, probably very similar to what we talked about with rhodiola. The difference with eleuthero is it does not have a really cognitive enhancing effect. So eleuthero would probably be your classic adaptogen, tonic, immune, antiviral. So it definitely has a lot of immunity. It definitely affects um, circulation. But I don't think of it, I mean, it can help cognition because people feel better, but it's not for the patient that has a really foggy thoughts. It has a lot of effects on blood sugar. Uh, I think of it in relation to a combination of eleuthero with licorice. And that's my go-to tonic for people. Two parts uh, eleuthero, one part licorice, or maybe three parts eleuthero, uh, one part licorice. They both have a lot of saponins and licorice really helps the taste. Now rhodiola doesn't taste that bad. Um, I mean, uh, eleuthero, it, it has kind of a, a mild sweetness. Uh, it depends on the product. Uh, it's definitely a lot more pleasant. 
than rhodiola. So if taste becomes an issue of what you're going to give. And it generally be a tincture one to five mils a day. So um, typically I would do one dropper full in the morning, one at noon, and then go up from there. Two in the morning, two at noon. Um, it's not done commonly as a tea, um, mostly because uh, it's not that available as um, a tea. A solid extract can also be used at quarter teaspoon, morning and noon. Uh, very safe. Uh, could be stimulated. All, all the adaptogens can cause sleeplessness and sleepiness, like I talked about. So let's talk about licorice because it is a one-two punch. I mean, uh, Glyceriza glabra, Glyceriza erlorensis, um, you know, the real pea family plant, <clears throat> what I like to call the fabulous Fabaceae family. And um, the root, uh, the rhizomes are used. Um, it's very, very sweet. It has the triterpene saponins, uh, mainly glycerizin. Glycerizin is super sweet, like 100 times sweeter than sugar. And there's a lot of research. I, I actually, researching for this talk, I found a research study that talked about glycerizin as an emulsifying agent. And what it said is that it can help drugs be absorbed better. And so here's the classic thing is we think of licorice as a tonic for the digestive tract. We would give it to our patients who have some kind of digestive stress going on. And so now the studies show that actually it can help the absorption of other components and herbs as well as drugs. So science is showing that the glycerizin in there. There's also a lot of flavonoids, polysaccharides, which are immune enhancing. They're a rebutyl-galactican, which is a great immune enhancer from the larch. It's also found in this. And so it's a great combination with all the adaptogens because it really helps the absorption and it helps the taste. Now, in practice, you got to ask people because I would say half the people really are licorice averse. You say, do you like licorice? And they say, yeah. And I say, no, no, not the red stuff. I'm talking like really black licorice flavor, the strong anise. And so if anything, downregulate. Now, uh, we know one of the key things with licorice is it's tonifying. And so it's good for hot conditions that are dry because it's moistening. So you would always want to use it where there's a lot of hot and dry conditions, inflammation, redness, swelling, you know, digestive issues like that. It is a great adrenal tonic because it spares cortisol. And so it, it builds cortisol. So it would be mostly useful for a low cortisol patient, not a high cortisol. And so tonifies the spleen, the Chinese think of it as clearing heat and detoxifying it and moderate, moderating or harmonizing. So harmonizing means, <laughs> I think of it as saying, let's all get along here. And so licorice as a way of uh, calming the spleen chi and helping the body digest things. And so we would want to add this to our adaptogenic formulas to help people with poor spleen chi, which is you know digestive fire. And of course, ask them about the taste. Um, Contraindicate. Oh, it's also really key for ulcers. Now you got to remember, there's the the DGL. That's a different kind of licorice that has the glycerizin removed. And so DGL is a powder. That's really an ulcer remedy. 
and it's different than whole plant glyceriza extract. The other thing licorice has is a really strong liver stimulation effect, hepatoprotective and antiviral. So it was used a lot in our hepatitis protocols with the milk thistle. The contraindications is the potential for um, the issue with sparing cortisol leading to um, cortisol excess syndrome. And the original studies came from a, a man that was like addicted to black licorice and he ate so much that it raised his blood pressure because his cortisol was really high. And also um, hypertension might be a contraindication. <clears throat> Generally what you gotta say is when you're using licorice as a flavor enhancer, like 10% in a formula, don't worry about it. It's not gonna be a problem for hypertension and hypokalemia, low potassium. Yeah. Preparations. This is a great one for the solid extract. I really love the solid extract because <clears throat> solid extract, if you don't know, it's like, it's like um, a paste of the plant. So a decoction, not the, the herb is decocted. Licorice is best decocted, meaning boiled in hot water. That decoction is strained from the roots and then the decoction is vacuum extracted at low heat to remove the water and leave like a thick paste. Uh, Luther was also really good in that way. And that makes it super sweet. You can just take it off a spoon. And that's a good way. The tincture is also really sweet. The powdered can be used uh, in tea. So this is a great one to help with tea. Uh, you can use it in capsules. Uh, the DGL is a different type of product. DGL is really difficult to take as a powder. It, 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 it's like herbal peanut butter. It sticks to everything. And that's why it works for ulcers so well, is it coats the lining of the stomach and soothes the stomach. So a couple more, and then we'll take questions. Uh, oats, how to, how to become oats standing in your field? Oh, that's a joke. I don't hear any laughing. Um, oats is an old naturopathic remedy, but there's actually a fair amount of clinical uh, uh, research on it. If you PubMed Swiss oats, the Swiss have a special variety of oats that has a neuroendocrine balancing effect. And it's been long thought to be useful in addictions. And the old eclectic physicians thought it was helpful for heroin addictions. And it's in a lot of stop smoking formula. So this is the, uh, the neuroendocrine balancing formula. And this is typically made from the green oats. You gotta remember oats has three medicines. Three. First one, oatmeal, nutritious, demulcent, delicious. Second one, oat straw. Oat straw is like a bale of hay, no seeds. Oat straw is minerals, super potent in minerals. You can make a vinegar or a decoction of oat straw and people would be like a herbal mineral sport. And then the green oats. Green oats is before the oats mature, they have uh, white latex in them. And that has a specific uh, neuroendocrine stimulating. You know, there is that myth of sow your wild oats. What does that mean? It means go wild. But it typically means frisky, right? Sexually stimulated. And oats have long been known to be helpful. So wild oats would be really for your um, depleted. Uh, the old doctors called it the honeymoon remedy. Because after a honeymoon, people were depleted. 
and it specifically builds neuroendocrine, especially in the sexual um, chakras. It also can be, so that's the a sex tonic, adrenal tonic. So where the patients have that issue going on and mood disorders, uh, the Europeans like the word tropo-restorative, which is, is, is pretty similar to the same thing as an adaptogen, but it's very specific for the nervous system. Yeah, weakness, sedation. I like it like this. This is how I summarize oats. <clears throat> it's like you need a computer upgrade, right? Your RAM, your memory is, is weakened. And so oats stimulates like getting a RAM upgrade. It allows the signal to be carried. So think about your nervous system and little uh, neurons. It's like somehow the signal becomes stronger and that stimulation has an electrical. And I saw this picture and I love this picture of oats kind of just stimulating. And so this is a great one to mix. And this can combine with all the other adaptions we talked about. Look at the old eclectic physicians information about oats. They, they loved oats. Um, Ashwagandha, I mean, we could probably do the whole lecture on ashwagandha. I'm going to do five more minutes and then take questions. But um, ashwagandha would be kind of the new wonder adaptogen from India. So in the Indian model, the withania, somnifera, the roots are used, although some part of the cultures also use the leaves. This is from India, Sri Lanka, Mediterranean, Africa. It can be grown anywhere that's a warm climate. India is the classic place where it's grown because it's traditional and Ayurvedic medicine, but there's people growing it in the Northwest. You gotta remember it's in the tomato family. It's a nightshade. So that is the one caution with ashwagandha is some people don't do well with nightshades. And there's a long historical naturopathic model of don't give nightshades to arthritis patients. And so that's what you gotta remember, uh, ashwagandha and goji berry are both in the nightshade family so you might be cautious about that that's really the only caution the name comes from this concept of smells like a horse and that's the energy of a stallion so i think of ashwagandha a little bit like taking a uh, luthro and oats and putting them together it's definitely the great rejuvenator mood energy sexuality stress it doesn't have it does have a brain stimulating effect, but it doesn't have the power of the withania, I mean of um, rhodiola. So uh, I think of this more when there's really adrenal and sexual dysfunction, and that's a little cherries from it. And this again goes in that idea of. Uh, reasonable, and this one has a, a, a kind of a soapy taste. It's not unpleasant. I would say it's reasonably pleasant and it combines well because it can be mixed in. And I do like uh, the goji berry and ashwagandha combination. I think that's great. It can also be combined with licorice. Um, and I like this idea generally like two dropperfuls in the morning, two dropperfuls at noon as a starting dose between one and two. Um, this one seems like um, some people get effects from it really quickly. And I don't know um, what makes it different than others. I think that's a uniqueness 
and really no known real cautions on that. The cautions about, again, on all of these are just don't forget about it and ma manage that you're giving it to patients so that in the long run, they can take a break. And so I like this model. Maybe they start on uh, rhodiola, three months, it's helping, wean off, see how they're doing. Maybe start on ashwagandha, wean off, start on another one. You know, generally, you should likely, in a patient healthcare model, in a year, get them feeling better where they don't need the adaptogens. I'm not a big fan of taking them forever because the resistogen is eventually you should have natural resistance. And so give them, you know, three to six months, reevaluate, you know, up to a year. But I, I've had uh, doctors I've talked to and they've been on stuff for five years. I'm like, you know, let's give them a break on that because um, it's likely you're not getting the value. I'm gonna throw valerian in here because you guys, you can all get a free bottle. But the thing about valerian that's so helpful is that it's one of our great relaxing and sedative. And so this is a really helpful in the protocols we talked about to use it to help balance the stress in the evening. So it helps promote sleep latency. Sleep latency, how long does it take to fall asleep? It should be five to 15 minutes in a healthy person with good sleep hygiene. And so if you're laying down, I call this the student remedy because I worked a lot with students and the students would be like, you know, if you study biochemistry before bed and you lay down, all you see is the chemical structures in your sleep. And so the key for valerian is tired, but you can't sleep. Mental stress, but really tired. And so this just really knocks out the stress uh, let's people just, you know, it's a strong, it's mild in, in its action, but it can have a strong uh, effect. And it can also help with pain where it's related to um, cramps and um, agitation, ir irritability. The big thing on this is if you take too, uh, if you take too much, um, or put it this way, some people get stimulated by it. Maybe 10% of people get kind of hyper from valerian. So caution patients if they've never taken it before. And if it doesn't work for somebody, generally I've had people take up to a teaspoon, which is five mils before bed, about a half hour before bed. And if it doesn't work at that dose, then um, it's not the remedy for them. All right, Dr. Farshad, you wanna come through and talk about the formulas here? Sure. So if you are looking to add some adaptogenic herbs into your patient's protocol, one of our top selling uh, compounds is the adrenal tonic formula. So it supports normal, healthy circulation and adrenal gland function. What's great is it does uh, have a majority of the uh, herbs covered today. Um, so again, it's not only supporting adrenal gland function, but I also love the fact that it has some cognitive support in there. So like Dr. Nagel said, this is great for students, um, anyone that needs to be physically and mentally active. They just, you know, they're super drained. I personally use this product um, during naturopathic school. It saved me many times. This is one of my favorite products to demo at our uh, conferences particularly AANP. So if you've come to our table, more than likely I've uh, set you up with our adrenal tonic uh, concoction that I, I actually add some extra luthero uh, solid extract to it. So 
Um, this is definitely one to recommend to your patients because it is so um, well-rounded. And, and again, you're covering the, the mind and the body. Next we have... Oops. <laughs> That's me, right? Yes, please. Okay, great. Thank you. So uh, the licorice solid extract. So the difference between this and a liquid extract, this is actually in uh, a vegetable glycerin and it's actually a higher concentration. So it's a four to one ratio. So this is great. Like Dr. Nagel said earlier, you can add this into a tea. And actually at Wise Women, a lot of times what we do is we, we add a little bit, a dab of, of the licorice solid extract um, to sweeten our teas instead of using um, stevia or, or other, you know, honeys or things like that. So this is great because again, it's promoting normal healthy liver function and adrenal gland function, and it's not an alcohol. It is a little bit more concentrated. And then our next product is the Eleuthero solid extract. And again, this is promoting a normal healthy response to temporary stress. Again, this is a solid extract. So it's in glycerin and it's a five to one concentration. And lastly, we have our valeriana glycerite. So again, this is a, a glycerite, so it's not an alcohol. Um, this is great to add to uh, your um, adaptogenic protocol, especially if you want to help them get restful sleep at night. Um, and we are actually going to give everyone um, who attends today and takes advantage of the uh, promo code, they are going to get a free two ounce tincture of valeriana glycerite. Yeah, that's a great combination. Uh, adrenal formula, <clears throat> yeah, it covers all those things we talked about. So, you know, combinations are really good for practitioners in the beginning. And then as you develop your skills, you can mix and match the singles. But, you know, if you don't feel confident, the general adrenal uh, mix can be very, very helpful because it covers. And the, the benefit of a formula is that, that nine out of 10 people will get benefit from the formula but maybe only four out of 10 will get benefit from an individual herb. So you just get better results. And then over time, as you customize it, you, you do singles. All right, that's, we need to talk about that. Yes, so um, like I mentioned, um, everyone that attended today will get 15% off of their entire order from today until the 2nd of March. And uh, make sure to use the promo code LC219. And then with that, you'll get a free two ounce valeriana glycerite. So in case you don't have um, an account or you want to take advantage of your 15% off, uh, please feel free to call customer service at 541-895-5172. And they'll be happy to help you with that. And then we also have our next event coming up. This is our first official webinar on March 16th uh, from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific time, Botanical Support for Stress and Anxiety. Dr. Glenn Nagel will be um, hosting this again and we will be offering one credit hour through the Oregon Naturopathic Board. Um, approval is currently pent up. Yeah, approval is currently uh, pending. So we'll give you the green light as soon as that is approved. And so you can go to the practitioner learning community to sign up and then we'll send you all the, the information to take advantage of that CEU opportunity. Yeah, what, the main, one of the couple of main herbs we're gonna be talking about is um, holy basil, which is a great leafy 
stress adaptogen herb, um, also the kava kava, some good updates about kava kava because many of you have patients coming in saying, well, it's banned, we can't use it. Well, the safety, we'll talk about the safety and the use of kava kava. And so um, this is kind of the other side of the adaptogens is because uh, this is much more of working with uh, calming and nourishing and dealing with anxiety that can come with stress. So yes, be happy to have you with me next month. Yes, we are very excited. And does anyone have any questions? I noticed that we didn't get any questions in the, in the chat box. So now is your time if you do have any questions. And if for some reason you think of something later, not a problem, uh, we have Dr. Nagel's contact information here, uh, herbalwiseguy at outlook.com. And again, we will be sending out a thank you email to everyone today that will give you a link to the replay of this uh, uh, practitioner call today. And then we will give you links to the PowerPoint and the studies that he referred to today. Yeah, please look at those studies and, and read them over. They're going to be really, really helpful. So it looks like we have one question. Give me one second. Oh, no, it's just a thank you. <laughs> okay, right. we don't have any questions uh, today. Again, feel free to contact Dr. Nagel, and we hope to see you very soon, um, especially at our next webinar. And if you have any questions whatsoever, please, uh, please feel free to give us uh, a call and or email us at wise1 at wisewomenherbals.com if you have any general questions, and we'd be happy to help you. So on behalf of Wise Women Herbals, we thank you so much again for joining us today. Thank you, Dr. Nagel, for all your great information. All right. And we'll see you soon. Take care, everyone. All right. Be well. Take care. Bye-bye.